If you like the Live Wild podcast and enjoy hunting-related apparel, I've got you covered. I just launched some great t-shirts, hats, and sweatshirts under my own Live Wild brand. You can find them now on my website, remywarren.com. I just want to say thanks again, everyone, for all the support, and I really hope you enjoy these designs as much as I do. Who knows? Maybe you'll head over to my website and find your next lucky hat. I'm Remy Warren, and I've lived my life in the wild. As a professional guide and hunter, I've spent thousands of days perfecting my craft. I want to give that knowledge to you. In this podcast, we relive some of my past adventures as I give you practical hunting tips to make you more successful. Whether you're just getting started or a lifelong hunter, this podcast will bring you along on the hunt and teach you how to live wild. This podcast is presented by Mountain Tough and Yeti. I partnered with Mountain Tough because a lot of the tactics and hunt styles I talk about in this podcast require you to be in the best physical shape you can. Their app is designed for hunters to get you ready for the backcountry or any hunt you have planned this fall. Yeti's been a longtime supporter of mine, and they make some of the toughest products out there that are built to last and they're built for the wild. Welcome back to the Live Wild podcast, everyone. You know, when it comes to hunting, I really think that safety should be everyone's number one priority. I think that as hunters, we encounter a lot of potentially dangerous situations. So by just paying attention to possible dangers and making hunting safety the most important thing you do when you're in the field, you can save yourself a lot of potential mishaps or possibly even your life. This week, we're going to be doing a safety check. Honestly, if you only listen to one hunting podcast this season, I really hope that it's this one. No matter how long you've been hunting, it's always good to brush up on safety and talk about these topics with friends and family on every hunting trip. Today, we're going to cover everything from carbon monoxide poisoning in a tent to gun and bow safety. But before we go into that, I want to share the story from this season that I hope never happens again. Over the past few years, I've definitely noticed an increase in running into other hunters in the field. Now, this year was definitely no exception. I ran into hunters pretty much everywhere I went. Maybe not as many as you'd expect, but I was running into hunters. Now, this particular hunt that I was on, I was looking for deer. As the morning spotted some deer in the bottom of this area, and the deer were moving up to bed for the middle of the day. So it's now about middle of the day. And I was walking down this one draw, and they kind of spooked out and went across, and, and I lost where they went. The one had actually bedded earlier. I was, I'd seen a bigger buck further down and just thought I was, I was making him play for that buck and happened to bump out another deer on the way. So the deer kind of moved out and I saw where they went. So I, I cir- dropped down, circled around, trying to relocate these bucks. So I, I make a big loop. I kind of drop down, go down this one canyon, go up onto this big plateau, and I start working my way, kind of paralleling into where these deer would potentially be bedded. He's kind of moving, glassing, moving, glassing. So I'm looking and I, and I don't see him, but I know I was like, I didn't see them go out of this area. They've got to be in here somewhere. So I just kind of start uh, edging my way around across the canyon. Kind of my body position would be like back off. I'm not like near the edge or anything. I'm just back off. Um, and I spooked a few does out, like I'd seen some does, but I knew that the bucks didn't join up with them. So I'm just working around till I can look back and hopefully spot those bucks. So I'm looking, 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 nothing. And then I, I'd assume that they were going to come down this one canyon, maybe even come my direction. And so I'm glassing and I 
drop my binos and I see the, so I was like walking, glassing, stopped, walking, glassing, stopped. So I, I drop my binos and I see the deer pop up like right in front of me, maybe a hundred yards, but they look like they are on edge and they are not looking at me. They're looking the other direction and they'd be like on the top of this, I guess kind of like a bluff edge. And then I'm behind them, maybe a hundred yards away. And then I hear this noise and it's just a, this is an archery season. And all of a sudden I hear something hit the ground, maybe like six feet away from me. And I look over and sure enough, here's an arrow. There had been a person down below and these deer were now skylined to that person. And they shot at the buck, missed the deer. And I was directly behind them. Had I stopped six feet, like literally maybe a body length away to my left, I would have got smoked by that arrow. So I, I walked over, I grabbed the arrow, I looked at it, it was like just a mean two-inch cutting diameter broadhead, and I thought, if this thing hit me anywhere, I would probably be a goner. Like, I just don't know how you could survive a cut like that. Especially, like, I was pretty broadside to that, right? I was just facing it. I had pretty much been standing right where that arrow sailed by just a few moments earlier. And it really hit me, like, wow, that was close, and that was really scary. I wasn't, like, shaken up because it, yeah, I'm kind of of the mindset, like, okay. You know, I thought about, okay, I could be really pissed off. Well, I, I wasn't, like, super happy, but also... thank God I was in the right position, right? It would have been really, really unlucky if that arrow would have struck me, but I walked over and picked that arrow up and was looking around. I actually yelled at that point, but um, I didn't hear anything back. So I grabbed the arrow and then started walking down the canyon. I was making noise just so anybody there would know that I was there. And as I walked down, I see the guys and, you know, I guess the deer had crossed in front of them. I think they had had a shot in the bottom and then missed and the deer ran up a little bit further. It was kind of a last minute Hail Mary and missed the buck and that was the arrow that sailed. And when they saw me walking down the hill with an arrow in my hand, I think everybody's heart sank, right? (laughs) I was like, oh shit. And I said, hey, just so you know, you almost just killed me. Like, what? You know, obviously I'm holding their arrow and, uh, explained that I was standing there about six feet away that I heard this whistle. I really didn't even know what the sound was at first. I could hear it. And I kind of thought like, was that like, it was the weirdest noise. It was like almost like an eagle screaming down about to hammer a dove. You know, (laughs) I've encountered that a few times and where that arrow hit and where I was standing, it was like, it zipped right past me, you know? And of course they were sick to their stomach and and rightfully so, you know, I know if that, if I was in their position, I would not have felt good. Right. And of course I could have been, you know, screaming, yelling, the whole, but it was like, I think that me showing up with that arrow was enough to say, oh shit. You know, that thing that we learned in hunter safety, never shoot on the skyline. There's a reason for that because you just don't know what's beyond that target. And, you know, the first thing he said was like, whoa, we didn't know you were back there. And I said, I know, right. I would have hoped that you didn't know that I was back there, but you also couldn't see uh, what was beyond those deer, 
right? And there's so many times we're out hunting and we just assume that, oh, there's nothing back there. There's nothing back there. But when you really look around, there's more hunters out than ever. There's, uh, you know, things that you might not know about, especially if you're in a new area of where people are. And that's one of the reasons that we follow these specific rules when it comes to hunter safety with a bow, with a gun, whatever. I mean, that's amplified with a rifle, right? Because it can go so much further, but it was surprising how far and how fast that arrow was going at that distance beyond those deer. I was very fortunate that I didn't get hit by the arrow, but it also just made me think about a lot of things, right? I mean, what would have happened, you know, had I been hit, you know, the whole thing, everything that would have ensued after that. And I didn't like going down that rabbit hole because, you know, I'm out hunting a lot. And when I leave, I, I believe that I'm doing something fairly safe. I trust in my abilities. I like to think that I do things. I always used to say, my name is Remy, careful danger Warren. Like I do things that might be dangerous with a high level of skill. Like I believe that I can get myself out of the situations I put myself in. But when we're around other people, we kind of have to go abide by this compact of like, we're all going to follow these certain rules to keep ourselves and other people safe. And when we forget about those rules, accidents happen. As a hunting guide, I feel like I've seen it all. I've hunted with a lot of different people with varying levels of experience and safety. And when you really think about it, you know, a lot of people if you're just talking about basic hunter safety, took their hunter safety maybe when they were kids, and that was 20, 30 years ago. Another group of people might be new to hunting and maybe don't know all the ins and outs, the things that weren't talked about in hunter safety. Yeah, there's the basics, right? But what about the things in the day-to-day when you encounter a scenario where you're, you're moving through the mountains and you, an elk jumps up and it's time to shoot? How ready should your firearm be? All these little things that maybe guys that haven't been doing it very long, don't really think about. Or when you're in the heat of the moment and something happens, right? The actions or reactions to what's going on. So I feel like this week, what I want to do is I want to break down a few of the just basic hunter safety things, but also things that you might not think about, ways to stay safe, because there's a lot of different ways that dangers pop up, right? It's not just Uh, firearm danger or bow danger but it could be when you're skinning out an animal what to do with your knife ways that you can prevent stabbing or cutting yourself things like when you're sleeping in your tent you've got a fire burning or you're cooking over a stove ways to keep yourself and your family safe so what we're going to do is we're going to break down some of these safety things and i'm going to share some stories some similar to the story that i just shared of of near mishaps and near misses that i've encountered in hopes that these stories will inspire you to share these ideas of safety as well as think about and keep safety on the forefront of your mind so things like that don't happen. So the first thing we're going to talk about is just the basic, we're just going to go with number one, 100% know your target. I think that that, if we're talking about safety when it comes to hunting, that has to be one of the key tenets, right? Don't point your gun at anything you don't intend to kill. And when you intend to shoot something, know 100% without a doubt what you're shooting at. There's a story last year of a hunter. During a archery season, he was bugling. A hunter with a muzzle loader had a tag as well. The seasons kind of overlapped there in Colorado. And the archery hunter was killed by the muzzle loader. How did something like that happen? Well, it's not 100% knowing your target. Many of the tags that we hold 
are tags where you have to know what you're shooting at. It might be a bull tag. It might be a cow tag. It might be a branch antlered bull. It might be a brow tine bull. It might be a mule deer buck. You know, I think out West, we really grew up getting used to identifying our target because our tags were so specific to what we're hunting. You might be hunting a deer in an area where it has mule deer and white-tailed deer, right? You have to know your target. A lot of people in other places uh, grew up hunting where it's thick brush. Maybe they're hunting private ground and there shouldn't be other people walking around. Their tags are good for any animal. And they kind of just grew up like, oh, when you see a piece of it, shoot. Well, first of all, you should never do that. And second of all, just because somebody taught you that when you're growing up doesn't make it right. You know, I think that you need to 100% know what you're shooting at. And I think that there's no one that can disagree with that. There's no deer or elk that's worth someone's life or injuring someone else or something else, right? doesn't even need to be a person. It could be you thought you saw an elk, something moving through, and you end up killing a mule deer. That happens every year and unfortunately happens more than people would like to admit. I've heard stories of it. I've seen guys at check stations where they're bringing in a mule deer. They don't even have a mule deer tag. And they say, oh, we thought it was an elk. Whether you live out west or you're going out west for your first time, you need to 100% know what you're hunting and what you're shooting at. There's a difference between mule deer and whitetails. There's a difference between elk and mule deer. There's a difference between elk and llamas, right? I've got a, in one of my cookbooks, I keep this article because there was a, a guy in Montana that brought, and he was from Pennsylvania, a lot of these uh, bad hunting stories start with a guy from Pennsylvania. You know the Florida man stories? When it comes to hunting, if you're from Pennsylvania, you guys are the Florida man in the hunting world. So I'm um, just calling you out on that. But this article, a uh, guy from Pennsylvania goes into a Montana check station. This is a true story. It's printed in the newspaper with the elk that he killed. And this was in an area that I hunt uh, years ago. And with an elk that he killed... And it was a calico-colored llama, like a brown and white spotted llama. He had it tagged. He had it field-dressed. And the first thing that was wrong was his tag was for a brow-tine bull, not a cow. Um, it was on private land, obviously. And it was a llama, right? And he went all the way to the check station not knowing that he did not kill an elk. So they ended up getting him on trespassing, intent to hunt something that he didn't have a tag for, and then all the livestock stuff as well. And they put it in the news. And so, you know, things like that do happen. But, you know, as hunters, we need to 100% know our target. Really pay attention to, if we're going to go hunt something new, pay attention to what they look like. Pay attention to the little details. And then pay attention to what our tags are. So step one, know your target 100% before you ever shoot. Gun, bow, whatever, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't just be shooting at things you don't know. Now, number two, we're going to jump into the thing that I just encountered, which was don't shoot on the skyline. You don't know what's behind that target. There's so many places where we are, and you're like, there's got to be no one around. And yet you bugle one more time and hear a guy pops out from the tree uh, in the direction where you're bugling. This happened to me this year. I was bugling. I hear a bull across the way. And sure enough, from a tree... 10 yards away, out pops two guys. And they actually, like, they just had no clue that I was there. You know, arrows loaded, whatever. They were sneaking into my bugle quiet. And, of course, saw each other, hey, what's up? You know, discussed our game plan, and we converged, and we made a plan from there, right? And everything was good. 
but you just do not know where other people are. And I used to kind of assume that no one was around. And I think maybe that was the case back in the day. We'd be hunting in places where there weren't very many people around. But now you just can never assume. There are people at the trailheads you're at. There's nowhere that's too far. If you can get there, someone else can get there as well. And so it's something to think about. If you don't know what's behind your target, don't shoot. Number three, this is one that, this is something that when we start our hunting camps and we're guiding and we've got our hunters in camp the first night, this is one that we talk about, especially when it comes to rifle hunting. Well, this primarily is about rifle hunting, but it's about uh, firearms in the vehicles, right? Obviously, your gun should be unloaded. Most places out west actually allow you to have ammo in the magazine, just nothing in the chamber. So you can have a, a firearm in the truck with ammo in the magazine, which is fairly standard, but definitely nothing chambered where I live, that's considered unloaded. But when you're in the vehicle, you know, treat every firearm, basic gun safety, treat every firearm like a loaded gun. But when we're in the vehicle, I always tell everybody, you want your barrels down, right? Because what happens when the barrel's up? The barrel's up, it's pointing toward people's heads. If you're in the front seat, it's pointing toward the back. Even if you're in the back seat and you're only filling the front seat, that bullet is pointed in a place where you don't know the termination of that bullet. If in fact, God forbid, a gun for some reason was not unloaded like it should be, right? So in the vehicles, barrels down. There's a few other reasons for that. When your barrel's down, even if there was something to go accidentally hit the trigger, it would have to pull the trigger up against gravity. If the barrel's pointing up, all it takes is something to bump that trigger push down in the natural position of things moving, right? It's not protected very well, and it's a very bad way to store a vehicle. Another way that I don't store vehicles is even whether I'm alone or whatever, I don't store it laying across a seat in the back because it's pointing towards something that you don't know where it's going. If it's pointing toward the ground, you know that it's safe for the most part. It can be very scary and will probably damage your vehicle, but it's pointing down toward the ground. One funny story that my grandpa used to tell is they were driving when he was guiding. Drive, come around the corner and these elk run across the road. And he has a client in the passenger seat and the client grabs his rifle while the rifle happened to be loaded. He hits the trigger. Thank God the barrel was pointed down. Shoots through the floorboard and blows out the right front tire. <laughs> My grandpa was definitely uh, a funny guy and also was pretty pissed about that, which you can guess, right? And so he's, give me your tag. So the guy gives him his tag. He cuts the guy's tag, puts it on the tire, changes the tire, goes back to hunting camp and on the skinning pole where all the other elk are hanging, he hoists that guy's tire with the guy's tag on it and says, all right, well, you're done hunting. You filled your license, which I mean is 100% justified. I would definitely do the same. But, you know, thankfully the barrel was down, not pointing at anyone. That's why we don't put them on the, like, even if I'm by myself, I, you know, I have the barrel pointed down in the vehicle. That's the safest way to travel if, in fact, a gun that should be unloaded were not unloaded and were to go off. Number four, you know, I tell this as well to our clients, and this is, you know, with hunting buddies or whatever when we're hunting. I think that when you're talking about like spot and stock hunting and hunting out west, I always tell people if you don't have enough time to put a bullet in to like load the ammunition in your magazine, but not in the chamber. When I walk around when I'm hunting, I don't have one in the pipe. And there's a reason for that is like, 
I believe if I don't have enough time to load around in, I don't have enough time to shoot that animal. Like it's just not enough time to do all the things right. You should have enough time to know when you're going to be encountering something. Now, there are those times where you're walking around and something jumps up, right? Well, if it jumps up and it's running away, is that even a good opportunity to take a shot? You should have enough time still, the few seconds it takes to load one in. So we don't walk around with one in the pipe. And it's just because there's other people around. It's a safer way to act. And when you move in, you're going to make a good shot and you should have time to load your gun. Now, what we do do to make it like, let's say we're sneaking through the timber and we spot an elk. Okay, shoot, the elk's right there. Maybe it's close range. The way that we load the rifle now is instead of racking one from the magazine, we'll just draw the bolt. I always carry in each pocket, I always carry an extra round. I'll draw the bolt halfway back. I'll slide it over the top and then quietly close that bolt. It's extremely effective. I can't think of a time where it, like, it didn't work out. Now, there are those times where we've seen something close and somebody just jacks one in as fast and as hard and as loud as it goes and then everything takes off and runs and it doesn't work out, right? But by just overloading it over the top, um, it's quiet, it's smooth, it's easy. Uh, from that point, I'll just load it and whether it's uh, you know some rifles, you can't work the bolt without the safety off, and put the safety back on and keep, the rifle pointed in a safe direction. And then when I'm out of that uh, possibility of getting the shot, then I just unload the rifle and go about my business. And that's worked for us in the past. It's been successful. And I feel like it's something that, you know, I was walking down a trail about three years ago. I'm walking down a trail to go help my brother pack out an elk. And I see another guy coming down the trail and we're in, mind you, I'm wearing blaze orange. I don't have a firearm with me. I've got my binoculars and I see some movement. So I throw up my binoculars and I see a guy walking in the trees. So, okay. And I'm, I've got a sled that I'm dragging. So you'd think it would be enough. He was an older guy, didn't have binoculars. And he hears something like as I continue to walk and I see him throw his rifle scope up and look at me through his rifle scope. I'm like, yo, hey, hey, hey. And I start yelling at him. And I walk up there. He's like, oh, hey, how's it going? You know, I heard something, didn't know what it was. Okay. You know, I was like, hey, man, is your, is your gun loaded? Yeah, of course I walk around with my gun loaded. So he's walking around with a loaded gun and using his scope to verify what he's looking at. That should never be done in no matter what, right? I was pretty pissed, you know, and here's a, a guy that's probably been doing that his entire life. So it, it's just, it's not a good practice you know some of these things like the people do needs to change because that's how bad accidents happen one thing that i like to say is like a safety is not a good safety right your gun should never be pointed at something you don't intend to kill and you shouldn't like i hate that where i've there's so many times where i'll be hunting with someone and i'll be like hey watch where you're pointing that gun and they'll be like oh the safety's on well, that doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make me feel any better. It doesn't, it doesn't make any, anybody else feel any better. There's been a time where I snuck in on these bulls with a guy. He's loaded up. Go to, we get on the log. We're set up. I'm like, all right, you know, click the safety off, get steady. And he clicks the safety off and boom, the gun goes off. Now, he swears his finger wasn't on the trigger, but I believe that probably his finger was on the trigger when he clicked the safety off, the gun went off. But a safety is mechanical mechanism and by that it can fail so that's just it's not 
a foolproof thing of being safe. What is is pointing your gun in, in a safe direction, you know, treating every gun like it's loaded, whether the safety's on, whether it's loaded or not, because it makes everybody feel more comfortable. If you're hunting with other people, the other thing that I like to talk about is watching where your gun's pointing. If, you, if you're walking in the front, point your gun forward. If you're walking in the back, point your gun backwards. It's so simple and so intuitive but there's many people that just don't even think about that, right? Your gun's slung on your shoulder in the sling and move through that way. But just don't point your gun loaded, unloaded, safety on, safety off, doesn't matter. Don't point it at anyone or anything you don't intend to shoot. And then another practice that my brother, myself, my guides, everybody does is every time we're getting back into a vehicle, leaving a vehicle, having encounters where somebody shot something, we always ask, like me and my brother hunting together, we ask each other 10, 15 times a day, is your gun unloaded? Meaning, you know, like, are you paying attention? Is it unloaded? And you sh it's not something you should be mad about. It's something you guys should ask each other. If you've got a hunting buddy, say, hey, look, when there's scenarios where, you know, just constantly asking, hey, is your gun unloaded? When we get in the vehicle, is your gun unloaded? Yeah, it's unloaded. Okay. Or, oh, let me check or whatever. Or we just got into an encounter where we almost got into an elk and then we're moving, hey, is your gun unloaded? Or you shot a bull and you're walking up to the bull and everything's done, hey, is your gun unloaded? Those kind of things where you're just checking in with each other, keeping safety at the forefront of your mind and doing the little things that it takes to just be extra safe. Now, if you're a bow hunter and you're like, oh, there's gun stuff isn't for me, I've probably almost been killed with a bow way more times than I have been almost killed with a rifle. And I don't know if I've told this story before, but uh, there was this one time where I was guiding these elk hunters. One of the guys like dropped his bow and wasn't sure if the sight was on. So he decided to shoot at this pine cone. And when he goes to shoot at the pine cone, a squirrel jumped out and he's like, can I shoot at the squirrel? And I was like, you can do whatever you want, I guess. I mean, it's not illegal. So he shoots at this squirrel and like the squirrel runs off, but he cut like the end of the tail off. And his buddy that was with him was like, whoa, that was cool. I want to shoot at a squirrel. And I'm like, I don't want to go on a full scale squirrel hunt here. But if you guys want to like shoot and skin squirrels, you know, whatever. But so he, he goes forward and a squirrel pops out. And I'm like up above him to the left and he draws. And as he's drawing, I think his bow is over poundaged for him. And he's like, I'm to his left and he's draw the squirrels off like straight in front of him to his right. He's, he draws and he's like sky drawing, pushing his bow way hard left and hits the trigger. And that arrow sailed off four or five inches from my head. Like it was between the bill of my hat and my face. And that I didn't have to yell at the guy because his buddy went and got in his face and pretty much was ready to beat the crap out of him. Like, do you know what you just did? You know how stupid that was? I was pretty like, oh shit, that was real close. You know, but people I think assume, well, a bow's a lot safer than a gun and it's not the case. You know, the same philosophy goes with a bow. Point in the right direction. Don't shoot on the skyline. Uh, so many things translate that are the same that I think people kind of take for granted when they're walking around with a bow. Another thing that's dangerous about a bow is you've got, you're walking around with a broadhead on there. This one particular time I was guiding a hunter elk hunting and I'm like, all right, knock an arrow, get in front of me. We're going to move in. This bull is like right here, but we've got to just close this distance between this thick stuff. So we're moving up and I'm kind of like behind him, moving and calling, moving and calling. And the bull 
bugles, but I think he, something happened. And we hear this crashing off. And so I'm standing there and I, I rip another bugle and I'm right behind the guy. And the guy turns around to ask me a question. Well, he turns around with the bow in his hand and sticks me right in the shoulder. Like I'm wearing my pack, sticks me right in the pack strap with the broadhead. And I look at him like, dude, don't turn around with your broadhead and everything. And it stuck me right in the pack strap. I'm, I was like, thank God that pack strap was there. It was on the right side, my right side. It goes through the pack strap and just barely pokes through the skin, you know? But I'm like, man, what if that hit me in the throat? What if it hit me somewhere else, right? Um, so you got to just be cognizant of, you know, where you're, you're pointing that arrow. I had another instance where we're sneaking in on an animal. I was with someone and it's like tall grass. And so I told him, you know, crawl up, get 20 yards closer and then, you know, just wait for the animal to get up from his bed. So he gets up there and he's like showing me like he doesn't have his rangefinder. He forgot his rangefinder. So he waves me up. So I'm like, okay. So I start crawling up. I'm on my hands and knees through the tall grass. Well, he put his bow in the grass facing the direction I was crawling in. And my, I was crawling on my knuckles and my knuckle went down and I just felt it and it sliced through the middle of both knuckles, put my hand right through his broadhead. You know, so you got to be careful of where your broadheads are pointing and the direction that you're pointing those arrows and the way that you're moving with it. It's the same as walking with a rifle. One thing that I've seen quite a few people doing recently, maybe it's because back bars are fairly popular now and it puts a little bit of weight on your bow backwards. They're walking with the broadhead on, on the arrow. And it's like the bow, they're holding the bow down where the arrow is pointing straight up toward their head walking through like rough country because it's, I think that the back bar pulls the weight of the bow down. I don't have a back bar on my bow, so I don't really encounter that. But when you're walking around, man, don't point that arrow at yourself or anyone else. It's just, you're putting yourself into a dangerous position. So always point it in a safe direction. And then obviously draw away from people, have people behind you. If you're in a situation where you're drawing, you know, like the guy that drew sideways when I'm to the left and the animal's right, point the bow in the direction you want to draw, make sure whatever you have to do to not have that bow go off early and point it in a direction where if it does go off early, it's going to be okay. Now, another thing to think about is just checking your quiver. I've heard of stories. I've had friends where arrows have fallen out of their quiver. They've stepped on them. They've gone through their legs. I've had a friend that lost an arrow and somebody else hiking up the trail got it through their leg. So, you know, check your quiver as I'm hiking and doing things. I'm always checking my quiver, making sure that my arrows are in there secure, not sliding out. I've had that even happen where an arrow falls out and cuts the string. When an arrow cuts your string, it's like a bomb goes off in your backpack. So it's one of those things that just a little thing to kind of think about as you're hiking, as you're walking around with a sharp broadhead on your bow. Now we talked about, you know, the basic hunter safety things, but I'd say a lot of the accidents that happen when you're out hunting are probably in and around skinning, cutting up, butchering, and quartering an animal. If you're a bow hunter, one of the things that they talk about in like bow hunter safety, but maybe new hunters don't really think about is you know, be cognizant of where that broadhead might be in the animal. If you don't have a complete pass through, if you didn't recover your broadhead, be careful as you're skinning, cutting up quarters. The last thing you want to do is put that sharp broadhead through your hand, through your arm, through something else. 
uh, that you didn't know was there. I recently found uh, someone else's broadhead in a front shoulder, which I didn't think about that necessarily, but you know, you're running your hand through there, skinning and hit something hard. Like, whoa, what was that? Oh, it was a broadhead from someone else. So just something to think about after the kill. Now, another thing that I, uh, you know, when I'm in and around a scene, not scene, but like after harvest is made, it's like time to butcher and cut up. And maybe you're working with other people. Maybe it's just yourself, right? So what happens? You go in there, you start skinning, everybody's quartered, knives are wielding, whatever. Obviously, you know, you watch out. Don't get bloody. Cut toward your buddy is my philosophy. But, you know, you aren't cutting towards yourself. You're, you're being careful. And then it goes time to take an elk quarter off or something. So you cut the quarter off, and then what's the first thing someone does? They set their knife on the ground. And then they go move the quarter. You get the game bags or the knives. Are, and people set their knives down. Sometimes it happens at night. Sometimes it's during the day. It doesn't matter. What's happening is a knife is on the ground. And it's unsheathed. And what can happen is somebody doesn't know where that is. The knife can slide down the hill and now be facing up. You can step on it. You can sit on it. You can. Someone can be working somewhere else and roll onto it. I've heard stories of people getting stabbed in bad places in the backcountry because someone set their knife on the ground. I have a a system of doing things that is, I never set my knife on the ground. When I cut something off, if it's a folding knife, I fold the knife. If it's folded, I'll set it on the ground or set it on the animal or put it in my pocket. If I've got a sheath, I immediately sheath the knife. So no knives on the ground. If there's something where it's like, I got to do something real quick, sometimes I'll, I'll stab it into the front shoulder. So the blade itself is covered, um, but I never put a knife on the ground or somewhere else where somebody can encounter it, where I'm going to forget where it is, where I'm going to step on it, where it's going to move and slide and injure someone else. Just by thinking about those little things. Another thing is when you're how many times I've seen this happen where somebody's cutting, right? Somebody's helping, they're removing a quarter. It happens a lot with elk and they've got a knife in their hand. Now they're holding an elk quarter with a knife in their hand as somebody else is holding something. I've actually seen where somebody did that, holding the quarter slips and the person that's holding the knife and the quarter now has the weight of the quarter and the knife and stabbed the other person. So it's just something to pay attention to that knives are, you're working with sharp pointy objects and you just gotta be careful. This last one, I think, is something that, you know, a lot of people probably don't think about, but this is carbon monoxide poisoning in your tent. This year, actually, some climbers in Kyrgyzstan just died. One was a professional guy. They're professional mountaineers cooking in their tent and got carbon monoxide poisoning and died. Now, this is probably something that isn't in the forefront of everyone's mind, but something that I think about a lot, especially because there's those days where it's just, shit weather, especially when you're in Alaska or whatever, and you're cooking with your jet boil or your MSR stove or whatever, you're boiling water, you aren't doing it outside, you've got your vestibule open, something to think about. Or you've got some kind of wall tent, uh, teepee tent, whatever, and you've got like a little wood stove in there. How do you know that that wood stove is ventilating right? So it's just something to think about. And this can be multiplied as you go into elevation because the air is thinner. So uh, the higher up you are, the more you got to think about this. Another thing you got to think about too is if you're storing your, like let's say you've got your jet boil, you're storing it inside your tent. Sometimes those things crack and leak. So here's a few things that I do. I was actually on a hunt in Canada last year and one of the guys had a carbon monoxide detector with him. It was super lightweight, super easy. He's like, yeah, he's like, I got, 
I think he said that he had gotten carbon monoxide poisoning once and so just started carrying it. After that trip, I've just carried one in my pack for trips where I know I might be stuck in my tent and need to cook in it or where I'm bringing like a wood fire or a wood burning stove or a backpack stove into the tent. It's lightweight and it's just a little extra peace of mind. It doesn't take up much room. It's super light. I got mine on Amazon. I know you're trusting like a little cheap device, right? But it's probably better than nothing. Now, there's a few things that you can do as well. The first thing is if you have to cook in your tent, providing adequate ventilation is generally going to be pretty bad weather when you're doing that. So, you know, you want to make sure that you open up. If you've got two sides that you can open on your tent, open up both sides, really ventilate out. I'd say like at least half the door open on both sides and get that airflow going through. Another thing, like just in your standard cooking, don't cook inside your tent or your sleep, wherever you're sleeping. What I do when I'm cooking, I'll cook and then I, I don't store my fuel canisters in my tent with me. I've got a dry bag, just like a Sea to Summit dry bag or some kind of dry bag, right? Um, sometimes I'll just use my game bags. I just don't like the water to get into my burners. So once the stove cools down, I then just put it in that dry bag and either hang it with my food or put it with my food and keep it outside of the tent. A lot of times I'll just undo the stove, keep the stove parts in my tent and put the canister outside my tent a little ways away because I have had canisters leak in my tent. I was like, I remember one time coming back getting my tent, be like, dude, what is that smell? Trying to figure it out. And one of my canisters, not even connected to the stove, had completely drained out during the daytime, thankfully, in my tent. You know, if you're asleep and that happened, you never know what might happen. So that's something to think about. Getting a little carbon monoxide detector can be awesome, especially if you want to run like a, there's been hunts where it's like super wet and you can just run your stove to dry things out in the morning. Having that carbon monoxide detector can be really, really beneficial. So just something to think about. And then I would say the last thing we've talked about it before, but just being bear aware, right? Not all threats are from humans. They can be from predators. They can be from other animals. So keeping a clean camp, paying attention when you're in bear country and, you know, review some of the, the bear protocols when it comes to hunting in bear country. And then the final thing is just not getting yourself into country that's too dangerous. I would say the times that I've been the most scared, I've been almost shot multiple times, unfortunately, with rifles and bows now, which is scary and terrible. I've had bears attack and other things. But I'd say the times that I'm the most scared is when I've almost lost my footing on a mountain that is extremely dangerous. So, you know, in the past, when I was running and gunning and didn't think anything could affect me, I put myself in a lot of positions that I probably, you know, like hopefully never will again all for an animal, right? To retrieve an animal or to get to into the shot of an animal in mountain country, mostly sheep and goat hunting, a lot of stuff in New Zealand where I just put myself in dumb situations um, that were probably past maybe even my ability or past the type of gear that I had or just uh, for that time of year in that situation where I was, not a good place to go, right? So paying attention to the terrain that's around you and then staying safe that way. Now, one last little thing that I do want to talk about is just some of the, the safety devices out there. One of the cool things now, right, there's so many different communication devices. There's satellite phones. There's satellite messengers. I use the Garmin InReach Mini. It hooks up to my phone. There's other ones. Uh, Zolio is the one some of my, the guys that I work with use. 
that one you have to have your phone. You can't message from the machine, but that one seems to work good as well. There's spot ones that you can just message from the device. There's GPS units that you can send messages from. There's satellite phones, which are now available, you know, that also have emergency beacons and other things. But there's so many ways to communicate. Back in the day when I first started, I was going into a lot of places for a very long time alone with no means of communication. Now having some means of communication makes you feel safe. But I think in many ways, it's kind of a false sense of security, right? You feel like, oh, if I press this button, somebody's going to come and rescue me. And while that is kind of true, a lot of the time when those go off, right, it's hard for, for something to even get to you in time might not happen. It might take a crew to drive a road, to hike in, to find you. It's not like the Calvary's coming immediately. It's like, where's that helicopter even going to come from? How long is it going to take? So I think a lot of people put their trust in those devices. And I think those devices are absolutely crucial now as far as, man, it's just like the cost benefit of it, having it and being able to communicate with somebody, even for the things that aren't life critical. But, you know, also I think it's more important to just have those safety things in the back of your mind and not have to use those. Rely on those as the last, 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 last step, right? But having that is pretty key. So there's a lot of good ones out there. I use the Garmin one. I think it's definitely the best as far as like safety goes. I've got a couple different Garmin ones over the years, but the Mini seems to be my favorite just because it's lightweight. I can just, I actually hook it onto my Bino strap a lot because I'm like, if I, if it's something where you need to hit that button, you want it right there. You want it somewhere. You don't want it to be digging through your pack to get it. So just something to think about. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. I think that it's always a good idea to talk about safety. I think it's one of those basic things that we kind of just assume everybody knows, everybody follows, and that's just not the case because there's stories every year of accidents. And of course, accidents do happen, right? That's It's not 100% avoidable, but there's things that we can all do to lessen the chance of an accident happening. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this. You know, I feel like this is one of those podcasts that, you should share with your hunting buddies, the guys that you're hunting with, your family and those people that are going out because it's these little things to think about that prevent an accident on both sides, right? Whether you're the recipient of the accident or the one that causes the accident, it's never a good place to be. You know, in the story that I shared of the guy nearly shooting me, I think that he was more scared than I was, right? But you just don't want those kind of things to happen. So it's something to think about, something to share. You know, I feel free to share this podcast with friends and family because I think that when we all go out, safety is one of those things that should be talked about on every trip. It doesn't matter how long you've been doing it, how experienced the person you're with is, whether they're new or or have been doing it their entire life, right? Continually talking about here's how we're going to, you know, use the guns. When we go inside, you know, we want the bolts open. We want to just cover the basics of safety and not take those things for granted. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I want to tell you, so last week on the live Q&A, we gave away one of the new Stone Glacier Solus tents. I've got an entire kit from Stone Glacier, pack, sleeping bag, tent, all my favorite stuff, gators, you name it, it's in the kit. And they we were doing kind of like a mid-season giveaway. Get ready for some of the general rifle seasons coming up, some of the late seasons coming up. It's an incredible gear package. If you want to enter, you can enter, go to my website, and you'll find remywarren.com, and you're going to find the information there. So R-E-M-I-W-A-R-R-E-N, uh, full stone glacier kit. 
I'm excited about this one. It's just a way that I can kind of give back to you guys that have supported me. And Stone Glacier's been awesome as far as like, hey, let's uh, let's give away a full kit to someone this season. So it's just open for a week. Find that on there. Make sure you're signed up for it. You cannot win if you don't apply, right? It's just like tag draws. You can't win it if you don't apply. So we've got packs in there. I mean, just essentially everything, all my favorites, in one place, one winner is going to walk away with it all. So excited about that. We'll announce the winner as soon as we draw that. But definitely keep an eye out for that. I'm going to say until next week, safety is no accident. Catch you all later.